Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. To learn more about Believer's Church, where our mission is to lead broken people to become fully devoted followers of Christ, you can visit our website at believerschurch.tv. Listen in as Pastor Matt Smith brings this week's message. We'd like to welcome you to Believer's Church Online. Thank you so much for joining us wherever you may be listening from. We just want to welcome you and thank you so much for being part of this experience. We would like to invite you to join us at Believer's Church in Johnson City. You can look us up on our website if that is something that you're interested in doing. Today's a great day because we're in part four of a seven-week series that's titled Eternity is Now in Session. We are discussing salvation, eternal life, and what it means to get in the good place. Definitely want to encourage you to go back and listen to messages one through three so that you have a good framework with where we are actually coming from. But what we're doing in this series, we want to highlight what I'm calling some important misconceptions about what it means to know Jesus, what it means to speak of heaven, and what it means to talk about eternity. A key point that we've made is that it's not about you getting into heaven. Instead, it's about heaven getting into you. This is really the process and the point of what heaven actually means. So what this does is it's going to restructure the way that we see heaven as a place that we simply go to whenever we die. Because in reality, it's so much more than that even though generationally we've been taught that it's something that's a futuristic idea and something that's very separate from our everyday experience. It's also going to raise this series some greater theological questions about what it means to be saved. This is language that we use all the time within the church, this concept of being saved. Last week we discussed the beginning of salvation as understanding what it means to follow. What does it actually look like to follow Jesus? How does this change our lives? How does this change the direction and the decisions that we make every single day? So today I want to discuss a necessary component of eternal life and salvation, and it's this concept known as awakening. Now, I remember growing up in church and growing up around religious people, and I have to say some amazing people. A lot of times people want to talk about church people being all bad, and church people aren't all bad. In fact, there's some absolutely amazing people that I can remember from my childhood. But because of this close proximity and what I was socialized into and what I grew up in, I could speak the language. I knew the customs and the social norms. I understood all that. I participated in many different kinds of events, and I was part of the culture. It was embedded in who I was. And this is a story for some of you as well, knowing that some of you didn't grow up in church. It's something that's much less familiar, and your ideology and viewpoint may be very different For many of you, you're exactly like I was, and you're still involved in church, or it's something that maybe you made the decision to run away from, probably for what you considered to be a very good reason. But for a lot of you, again, like myself, it's it's second nature. It was part of your identity. And maybe until you got to a certain age, you really didn't even understand any other way of life. There are many people that are out there that are like this. 
But when I was 16, and this is very important, this is important to understand. When I was 16, I began to recognize that I was on the inside of something, but also on the outside at the same time. So I'm going to say this again. This happened at 16 years old. I began to recognize that I was on the inside of something. I understood the customs, the language, the social norms, participated in all of this, but I was also on the outside at the same time, meaning that I couldn't speak of a relationship with Christ or the forgiveness of my sins as something that was deeply personal. I couldn't talk about walking with Jesus with firsthand knowledge. It was something that because of my upbringing that was inherited. It was something that was borrowed. It was something that I understood from a distance but didn't necessarily hold really close myself. So it was after this knowledge truly became a reality that I experienced an awakening within. You see, we hide from God in our sin and in our escapes, in our loves, and also in our fears. But one day, for a lot of us, we stop and we see. And all of a sudden, everything is completely different. This is what we refer to as awakening. Our journey toward God begins with awakening. For so many people, religious experience has taken place, but awakening has not taken place. So understanding those social values, growing up in the Bible Belt of the South, or growing up in the Catholic Northeast, or whatever your faith tradition may look like, you understand and maybe even value or despise religious experience, but awaken, awakening never actually took place. So the scholar from Asbury, Robert Mulholland, writes this about two primary realities. First, we awaken to the reality about God, but also we awaken to the reality about ourselves. Just like when we read about the prodigal, the prodigal had to come to himself. So this is what we understand as awakening. And until this happens, we are dead to the possibility of a spiritual life. All right, it's nothing but self-help before that. So before awakening occurs in our lives, we are dead to the possibility of a spiritual life. And we are fooling ourselves if we believe otherwise. So if you do have your Bible and you want to turn to an incredible passage where we're going to look at what this means, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 17. It's the first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 17, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 9. Now, this is the uh, Mount of Transfiguration, 
And it's a critical moment in the gospel story that teaches us about awakening. Something else that's significant about the passage that we're going to look at today is this is directly after what we talked about last week in Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 28, whenever we talked about the cost of discipleship or what it means to actually be a disciple. So right after that, we actually go into Matthew chapter 17 and the transformation of Jesus. And this is what the scripture says in verses 1 through 9. Six days later, six days later from what we talked about last week, this discussion about what it means to be a disciple, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, which are often referred to as the inner three, all right, the three disciples that Jesus was the closest to, and brought them to the top of a very high mountain. He was transformed in front of them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Moses and Elisha appeared to them talking with Jesus. Peter reacted to all of this by saying to Jesus, Lord, it's good that we're here. If you want, I'll make three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elisha. While he was still speaking, look, a bright light cloud, a bright cloud overshadowed them. A voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I dearly love. I am very pleased with him. Listen to him. Hearing this, the disciples fell on their faces, filled with awe. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, don't tell anybody about this vision until the human one or the son of man is raised from the dead. So in this moment, something that's very significant about what's going on is that the human and the divine within Jesus are meeting. In this moment, there is undeniable proof for Peter, James, and John, the inner three, that this indeed is the one that the Jews had been waiting for, the Son of God. You see, Peter, James, and John are different after this moment. Any speculation that they possibly could have had, and this doesn't mean that they aren't going to continue to make mistakes and continue to doubt at times, but any speculation is now removed because of what they've seen. So awakening, what it does, and many of you have experienced this, and some have not. Awakening for the believer brings about an entirely new way of seeing the world. Now, we're going to refer to this again in a couple weeks in a different way through what we're going to call illumination. All right, but it's a problem that a lot of people that are in the church have not truly experienced this. And they think about eternal life, and they think about heaven, and they think about this place that they believe that they're going to go whenever they die. But the reality of this awakening, this change, this new way of seeing the world has never actually occurred. I love the story of John Wesley at Aldersgate, uh, the story of his conversion. This is what he said 
In the evening, I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate Street where there was one reading, a person was reading Martin Luther's preface to the Epistle to the Romans. About a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. That's a beautiful line. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation. And an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. So the question that I have for you today is, has your heart been strangely warmed? And whenever Wesley gives that description, I understand that. And I know that there are others of you that are listening right now. When we talk about this, this funny feeling or this bizarre encounter with the heart being strangely warmed, something that happens within you, has your heart been strangely warmed? Is it more than a religious experience? Have you been or had the experience of being on the outside but not necessarily had the experience of what it feels to have transformation on the inside. Please understand this. There is a difference. There is a great difference between feeling and awakening. And I'm going to say that again because it's really important for people who have had an emotional experience but nothing else. There is a difference between a feeling and an awakening. Because a lot of people have had an emotional experience, but that doesn't mean they see the world in a completely different way. A lot of people have made decisions based on emotions, but that doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that they have experienced awakening. So we are not talking about a feeling we are talking about an awakening toward the reality of our own brokenness and his completeness. I can't tell you how many people that I've talked to over the years that have said they have been changed because they have literally come to the end of themselves. They have recognized that they are utterly helpless on their own. And the point of this transfiguration that we're talking about was to reinforce the faith of the disciples. You see, they had already witnessed the crowds, the miracles, and the parables. And now around three years, Jesus is taking Peter, James, and John to another level. You might remember from last week when we talk about the teaching, the cost of discipleship, we said that Jesus was elevating the teaching and what he is doing again is he is elevating the level of teaching for these three. They have clearly seen the human side of Jesus. They've seen through some of his miracles the divine side of Jesus. But now they are start, uh, staring directly in to the divine. And because of that, there is an awakening. 
An awakening clearly says. This is what it says right here. And this is what people understand when they experience it. He is God. And I am not. Have you ever said this? Have you come to the place in your life where you recognize that you have exhausted all personal resources? You are depleted of everything within you that tells you you can do it on your own. And as hard as you've tried, and as much effort as you try to put in to maybe being a good person, or being a good parent, or treating your spouse the way that you feel he or she deserves to be treated, or trying, yourself, trying your best to be good only to recognize that you fall again and again and again. You see, I know this sounds really simple, but the truth is there are so many people that have never accepted that they are not God. They must maintain control. And you see, they have an allegiance, they feel, to God. They say that they believe in God, but that awakening within them that really tells them that they have no control whatsoever has never actually occurred. And this awakening must take place. The response to this awakening is always, 100% of the time, every single time, obedience. The response to awakening is always obedience. This means what Jesus had just prior, uh, uh, prior to this chapter talked about in chapter 16. This means they must follow. You see, we are never permitted to stay on the mountaintop like you see in the transfiguration story. We're never permitted to stay there. We must always walk back down. The valley is waiting. Real life is waiting. And the disciples leave this experience, and they have to go back to their regular lives. The proper response to the mountaintop isn't to try to stay on the mountaintop it's to listen to the sun and do what the sun says. Awakening means that we are walking into an initial and ongoing moment of unselfing, of saying no to self the same way that we talked about last week when we said when Jesus calls us to follow him, self-denial is involved. This is the most painful and at the same time, the most liberating thing that you're ever going to experience. And when people talk about heaven, as they often do, outside of the context of unselfing, they have not experienced this awakening that we are talking about. They are actually speaking of a completely fictional place that they've created as so many hundreds of thousands of people over time have created this heaven. People often refer to as evidence for salvation. Here's an important phrase that will reveal some evidence. Knowing God, really knowing God, experiencing true awakening 
will always lead to obedience. A failure to obey leads to an inability to experience any kind of peace whatsoever. People are relying on the cheap grace that we talked about just two weeks ago. So a few questions that I have for you regarding awakening. Whenever we talk about awakening again, what we're talking about is waking up to the things of God. We are talking about the reality of recognizing that he is God and we are not. We are seeing the world in a completely new way. We recognize ourselves as sinners and realize that there is nothing that we can do about that sin. So we can closely examine if you have experienced this. So again, consider this statement that we made earlier first. Our journey or any person's journey toward God must begin with awakening. All right, a few quick questions. And the first one is this. Have you had what we could call that aha moment when you recognized your great distance from God and that you could personally do nothing about that distance? Have you had that moment, that realization that you on your own, by your own devices and with the use of your own resources are completely limited in every way and that there is nothing that you can do about it. If you're still depending on yourself, if you're still trying to fit God into your box, if you're still trying to completely manipulate the relationship or the religious situation, you have not experienced the awakening that we're talking about because we cannot rationalize or strategize our way into eternity. It always begins with awakening. Maybe that awakening is hitting some of you right now. Question number two, have you been incomprehensibly moved by the grace of God? So as you recognize that, that you have depleted yourself of your resources, you're exhausted, you recognize that you can't do it on your own, have you then been in a place where you recognize he is willing to completely carry you? Because he knew long before you that you could never do it on your own. You see, this is the point at which God lets us know that nothing will satisfy but him. And he loves us unconditionally exactly where we are. And the final question, have you moved past your former self and entered this unselfing process. You see, this is what it means to say that eternity is now in session. It's a process of unselfing over time in which we are becoming less and less and less 
like who we used to be because of this awakening, and we're becoming more and more and more like him over time. Now, you may be in a situation, and I hope you are in this situation, in which you're able to say, I know that I've taken care of that. I had that moment where I completely recognized there was nothing that I could do on my own and that I needed God. I tried my marriage. I tried to be honest in my business dealings. I tried to be the good person that I was supposed to be. But I recognized that I was broken and that I was incomplete without God. You also recognize that you have received this grace. And this is what carries you every single day because there was no way that you could ever do it on your own. And because of those things, and because of this awakening, you are following Jesus and becoming more and more like him every day. If you're in a situation in which you, you can't say that, if you're in a situation in which you can't admit that, that that relationship is not there, that relationship can become real on this very day. Please understand, and you will understand this if you've listened to the rest of this series, that this is not simply an emotional decision. This is not a one-time thing so that you can go to heaven when you die, but it's a commitment that you make right now based on the reality that you recognize that you can't do it on your own and everything in your life must be turned over to him. If that's you and you're listening right now, I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. And what I want to encourage you to do is simply pray this prayer and repeat after me if you know that God is moving you to make this decision. There is no magic in the words of this prayer, but it's the decision that you make today to turn your life over to Jesus. And if you do that, I'd like to ask you, my name is Matt Smith, just reach out to me. The easiest way is Facebook Messenger because we want to follow up with you and show you that this is not simply a one-time decision, but something that you invest in for the rest of your life. If you feel led, just, just repeat this prayer after me. Father, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that there is nothing I can do to make up for this sin. Forgive me where I failed you. I trust in you. And from this day forward, it is my desire to follow you. In Christ's name, amen. If you made this decision, please make sure that you reach out to us because it is the greatest decision that you'll ever make. I'm going to close this in prayer. Father, we come to you thanking you for continuing to provide for us, to take care of us, loving us. Father, thank you for the work that you're doing at Believer's Church, the work that we don't see. Father, we pray for each individual represented here as we grow into the likeness of you. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray these things. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. 
For more information, please visit our Believers Church Facebook page or our website at believerschurch.tv. If you enjoyed this message, please make sure to subscribe and join us next week as we continue our mission to lead broken people to become fully devoted followers of Christ.